Hi, everybody. In this episode of the Lexus Enthusiast podcast, we talk the NX 450H Plus and Michael's new theory about the LX. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, everybody. This is Kevin Watts, the founder of Lexus Enthusiast. And hey, this is Michael Pannone. Glad to be here. So we're on our total (laughs) summer schedule for a podcast. There really hasn't been a lot. And then I guess just over the last week or so, you had an LX brainwave and I picked up a NX 450H plus. And uh, so there is definitely quite a bit for us to talk about today. The news always slows down a little bit over the summer, but I'm glad you have an NX. I uh, have done some thinking on the LX. So, you know, people are probably sick of hearing us talk about the LX. (laughs) We we do love the LX. If we talk about the LX, we're going to talk about the Sequoia. Yeah. So I uh, I apologize in advance. But yeah, here we are. The other thing, you know, that I was thinking about is just so strange the way that Lexus, you know, comes out with this RX. And, you know, this model accounts for, in the US, 33% mm-hmm. of the entire sales. And I just feel like it's like falling off the map. I got to say, I think I'm really starting to like the front end. I think I'm really starting to like it. Like, as in, like, not even just actively disliking it? Yeah. Like, I think I'm actually starting to like it on my own terms. <laughs> oh, yeah. What uh, what changed? Or is it just, like, time? Looking? It might be both, but it might be time. Uh, but I think when you look at the front end of the new RX, and then you look around the rest of the Lexus lineup, it looks like the logical next step to me. It looks like it Mm. looks more futuristic than what we have now, I feel like. And it took some of those newer pictures of the RX that came out and like Mm. in real lighting and that weren't, you know, studio touched up. But I was like, yeah, this looks good. Like this does look good. I like it. I think I'm into it. Did you see that Alex, uh, Alex tuned, which is Gordon Ting, his Instagram account. He's been posting uh, pictures of the RX in different colors. Have you seen those? Yes, I did. And I think those were some that contributed to my opinion. Yeah. We talked about the copper crest color before, but man, like the NX that I have right now is that KDM orange. Mm -hmm. And I was like really reluctant when they first told me what color it was going to be because, um, I I am like refused an RCF once because it was orange. Um. I did not know that. (laughs) Wait, in the last podcast, you said you wanted a copper crest RX. So who am I talking to right now? Well, the thing was, is that the orange on the RCF, it's a car that elicits a lot of attention Mm -hmm. and an orange version of that. I was just like, I I don't know. Well, like, I mean, to be fair, they were like, well, we have an orange one and we have a blue one. So I took the blue one. I guess maybe not refusing is maybe refusing is a little strong, but requested a different. Yeah, color. exactly. And so with the KDM orange with the NX, I was like, oh boy, I mean, maybe I should just ask for another color. But I was like, oh, yeah. I'm just gonna get it and whatever. And oh my god, I love it. Like, oh really? I was so surprised to love it. It has a. Have you seen a vehicle in it? I think this is the first one, isn't it? <laughs> I have or, actually seen the NX in that color, um, so I know what you're talking about. Yeah, it's a good so, looking color. The the way that it changes in, in depending on lighting, mm-hmm. but also like you wouldn't even know from photos that it has like this beautiful like red fleck in it. Mm-hmm. And like I just really impressed with it. I mean, maybe not my first pick, but like I was definitely like much more into it than I expected. And then so now I'm thinking about this copper crest color and I'm thinking, oh my god, like <laughs> maybe if I had to choose, maybe this is the color that I would choose. You know, jump back right over to the RX and and I do I. I think that you're making a really good point that this is the obvious next evolution of Lexus design. 
It's mm-hmm. just that what my issue with it is, and the reason that I've been kind of going up and down on it is that I really, really like the NX. I okay. really, really like the exterior design of the NX. I love the the front grille. I would say that to me that the NX is maybe, I don't want to be hyperbolic, but I always am. You know, I would say that it's maybe yeah. the, the best designed modern Lexus that, that they put out so far. Hmm. And, and just because there's nothing about it that makes me have to second guess the design. It just feels like a really natural extension of where Lexus was going. And my issue with, with the RX and the RX front end is that it's just like they could have taken the NX and made it larger. And I know that we've you know always railed against that in the past, but I just feel like the design is so mature and like evolved over the previous generation of Lexus designs that it really could have served as the a template for what comes next. So I was a little dis- you know, I'm a little disappointed now thinking about it that Lexus has chose to kind of do these half measure EV kind of front ends. So mm-hmm. I don't know. <clears throat> I've actually gone the opposite way on the RX, which is really funny. <laughs> oh, so you like it, you're liking it less the more you I, look at it? I kind of, well, I think it's going to really take seeing it in person now to okay. kind of really hit on exactly how I feel about it. And and speaking of, I, I just uh, got invited to the long lead for the, the new RX, which is going to happen at the end of August. So everybody can expect reviews about oh, early nice. September. Yeah. So that's really exciting. Yeah. Really excited to see it in person. and. I mean, we'll just talk about the the NX. I just want to kind of frame this for everybody. Last year, the NX came out and, you know, COVID happened, obviously. Michael wasn't able to go to the event. And we haven't, neither of us have seen or driven an NX, really, like for most of last year. I've seen a couple on the road here in Canada. You have obviously seen them at the dealership and, and everything like that. So we're starting to see them and everything like that. But this was the first time that I've driven the new NX. And this is a major model for Lexus. This is a this is a central model. Not to mention you're driving the flagship NX, the best one they make. Well, so. yeah, exactly. And that's, yeah. a, that's a uh, catch-22, really, because like, it is really, it's a really <laughs> amazing vehicle overall. Like, everything about it is, like, well done. Like, the broad strokes. I love the powertrain. I love this 450H plus powertrain. I love the design. And I really love driving it, but I didn't pay for it. And this is, like, a top-of-the-line NX 450H plus F Sport package, which is different than the US F Sport package in that it's the luxury and F Sport package put together. So it's really maxed out, right? Mm-hmm. So we're talking about an NX here in Canada that has a, an MSRP of over $80,000. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> a lot just, of money. I just, I, I just, it is a great vehicle, but I have a really hard time picturing it at that price. So over 80K Canadian translates to what? Like in the mid 60s US or something like that? Okay. Yeah, this, but it has everything, every conceivable option. And so this powertrain is is really great, but so you you charge it and Mm -hmm. you eventually run out of your battery and then you switch over to the the gas hybrid. And, and, you know, obviously it's, it's pretty well understood, but it almost feels strange to be trying to balance those two powertrains against one another. Like it, it really adds this like layer of analytics to driving, right? Mm-hmm. Because you can turn the, the system on and off 
There's a button to switch between a hybrid and EV. And then there's also a button that you push that allows you, it's like auto HV EV, which tries to stay EV only, but if you're accelerating really fast, it'll switch over to the hybrid. So you have like these different modes and you can, there's there's little buttons on your center console and you just push them and you try and like outmaneuver and try and make the battery last as long as possible. So it's really fun. Like that's a really fun aspect. And it was really super fun. Like the first couple days that I was driving the NX and then it just sort of kind of got a little less fun. And I was like, well, why isn't this just an EV? Is it pretty quick? Like, is it fun to drive around town? Oh my God. Yeah. It's, it's, it's fantastic. Like, the power is immediate. Torque is like fantastic. The steering, it's a little more boosted mm-hmm. than I would say like my recent experience, like the LX definitely felt heavier in the steering. The RZ felt much more tuned in, much more, just much more dynamic to drive. But the NX is just a hoot and like off the line acceleration is just so much fun. It's a really fun car to drive. And it just makes me really wish that they had taken this formula, this NX formula, and made something that could have been a pure EV. And, you know, we're talking about a $80,000 NX right now. I, I, I don't know how much of like a pure EV NX would cost. So it's just like that, that it's just a, there's a really weird disconnect between the vehicle and the price. Yeah, I get that. I can see it. Like we, I think you and I, I think you and I talked about this a couple months ago when we were sort of looking at the lineup and looking at the models. And I was like, yeah, I mean, like an NX 450H plus would probably be a pretty compelling vehicle for me who like, you know, lives in an urban area, commutes, but like an NX 450H is the same price as my GX luxury. And so, you know, you can say that the NX is newer and all that stuff, but there's still a lot to be said, even though the GX is old at this point, in my opinion, there's still a lot to be said for like the build quality and, and limit the materials and things like that. So I was like, mm, I don't think I'd pay NX 450H money for the same price as a GX 460 luxury. It wouldn't happen for me. Yeah. And I mean, that's, the, I'm kind of looking into that, you know, because I'm, I'm trying to build a, a review around the car and, and trying to right. figure out the story of the vehicle. And, and I've been very caught up in, in the pricing and I've been trying to, I'm really intend to look deeply into what kind of the comparables are mm-hmm. for that price here in Canada because to me it feels like a lot to ask but it's a very compelling package mm-hmm. so it's one of those things that while I might not be able to see you know the cost to enjoyment uh, ratio it might not be exactly what I would be looking for at that price right other people because there really is something to be said about having the two powertrains. So I know I was just saying, I wish they did a full EV. And, and the other thing about that is that if this was a full EV and Lexus had given it to me and said, you know, test drive this for a week, I wouldn't have been able to drive it every day. Right. <laughs> I don't, I don't have the infrastructure at home That's a good to, point, charge yeah. an, to charge an EV. So you do have that. Like I just plug it into my wall. It takes about seven, seven hours, eight hours to charge. And to is that get, like a standard like the outlet you'd like plug a lamp yeah, into exactly okay. just exactly and i think there's like i could use i believe there's a way to use like a, a dryer plug or something no you're right there's like you can get the higher voltage like there's basically there's the basic plug that you can like plug into like a kitchen appliance there's the higher yeah. voltage that people use like for hvac or washer and dryer and then you can get like 
and I, there's all classes of these. I don't know the terms yeah. for them, but then the right. other one's like a specific dedicated EV charger. And I mean, that takes a, that's a long time, like seven yeah. hours. And especially when you're considering that the NX, it's so hard, right? With the, with the conversions, but it gets about, it gets 65 uh, kilometers of range, which is about 40 miles of range. And um, it takes seven hours. Can you imagine how long it would take if there was 300 or 400 miles of range? It would probably, it would take, you know, four times that. And Yeah, you'd have to have one of the I, larger chargers. Yeah, exactly. You, you'd basically just be like charging it one day to drive it the next. So I there's that as well, right? And the problem with me is that I can always see the flaw in my arguments. <laughs> I was like, well, I don't know. I don't like it. To me, it feels like the point you're making is this is an impressive car. I really like it. There's a lot of things about it that are really cool, but not for $80,000. <laughs> I guess I'm trying to dance around it, right? But th- yeah. that is essentially it is like it just feels like too much. That in itself is is just a choice that people make. Yeah. And I cannot recommend this vehicle highly enough if it's something that you've wanted and, and something that you're looking at. You know, just keeping in with the exterior, really like the front, really like the rear. But the thing that I really like is the is the side profile, which is not something that I've said about recent Lexuses. They have, there's this line that they have through the body, and it divides into two, and it kind of gives this spindle impression in the the like the side of the of the NX, and yeah, it kind of brought to mind you know how they're talking about like spindle body as like this the next direction of Lexus design, and I just thought it was really interesting that you can really see that and. It's really quite striking, just the sharpness of it. And I mean, if you look at pictures, you'll definitely be able to see it. It's in the rear uh, door uh, panels. And I think the I think the outside of it really does look great. The one that you had, I think, had the split five spoke matte black wheels too, right? Well, yeah, shiny. They okay. Matte, oh, they were shiny. Yeah, okay. Yeah. But yeah, gorgeous. It's like a pumpkin, right? Really Halloween flame, uh, flavored. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I agree with you. I think it's I think it's a very good looking vehicle. You know, I, I'm always going to say I think the uh, front overhangs a little extreme, but all things considered, I, don't, I think it's really pretty nice looking. Okay, so tell me a little bit about your thoughts on the interior. Uh, did you like the interior as much as you like the exterior? The design of it is great. I really like this, um, I'm going to butcher the name, but they call it like the Tazuna concept. So everything's like, everything's within reach of the driver and it's very driver focused. The driver is enclosed and then the passengers are sort of in their own zone. I really like that. It allows for easy access to everything. I do find that some of the detail work on, on the NX, like the feel of the, like the temperature gauges. Uh, yes. I, yep. I don't, I don't really like um, this, the new steering wheel very much. There's these two directional pads and there's no labeling as to what they're doing. So you have to like, they're like touch sensitive. So you kind of put your finger over top of it. And then in the heads up display, it kind of tells you what each button does. So, I mean, eventually you would learn, eventually it would make sense, but it's not very intuitive right away when you get into the car. And it's just like all of the little touch points that, that you have in a vehicle are all maybe feel a little unfinished. I feel like there could be a revision to just tighten it all up. Some of the uh, controls, 
they don't make the right sounds and you know what I, I you hate to nitpick but it's when a vehicle is as good as this nx is you try and balance that off with yeah. things that maybe could be improved and, i get it i saw another review that said something very similar um about controls on the steering wheel like it was very strange that you have to sort of like place your fingers on them first to get them to react. Yeah. And then, and then you can press them. That's a strange yeah. decision. I mean, like so, little, like I know you just by like you were about to say, like we get to the point of having to, you know, splice and dice and like really find the finer points here, but that would be annoying to live with every day in my opinion. Well, the crazy thing is, is that you actually have to push the button twice. So for anything okay. really that you want to do, you want to skip a track, you got to push the button twice. And it's just like, just seems like maybe a little unnecessary. Yeah. Like, I really do like the the new infotainment. The Lexus interface is great. It has the wireless CarPlay, which is great, but I also usually drive with no music. So I just leave it up on the, the nav screen and there's a lot of functionality built into the into this nx and one of the things i really like is they have this um road sign sort of system. oh yeah and it like will tell you when a stop sign's coming up or if you're in a school zone or yep and like that's that's a real driver assist it always shows you exactly what the speed is and you always know when you're speeding and I, yeah i i love the whole system but like and you know like kind of to sum it up i want to just kind of bring it back to this idea of why do manufacturers tend to create brand new models for EVs rather than building EVs out of existing models? And I think the answer is pretty clear, but it makes me wonder like what the future looks like. So wh what do you think the reason is that they do that for? I think the, like, the reason is probably existing or gas-powered platforms are engineered to accommodate you know, internal combustion engines and transmissions and like true ev platforms scrap all of that for sort of yeah. like a skateboard format that right generally like lays the battery on the you know it's like at the bottom of the platform i like i think it's probably too difficult to be able to cross reference or like cross develop you know putting a battery in a platform that's you know really dedicated for an internal combustion car yeah, I mean, it has to be that reason, right? And is is there any really existing model that's been released as both an EV and a and mm. a, you know a conventional gas? The only one I could think of, you know, offhand was the was the X five, which that's true. I think still there's probably a lot going on there, and the, and I think the price tag of the of the iX EV justifies that. But it really makes me wonder what like the future of the nx looks like but i guess with lexus with everything going full ev anyway it's not really going to matter that's true <laughs> i yeah I, th I assume pretty much everything's probably going to move over to the etnga platform that the rz is on i, I, I mm -hmm. mean i think like we see this type of thing with tnga k and stuff being more flexible allowing for the plug-in but it seems, I mean, Toyota has the infrastructure with the ETNGA platform that the RZ uses to now move everything over there. And I feel like that's probably where we're headed. So mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. But I mean, this as a stopgap between combustion engines and full EVs, like it's just like a chef kiss. Like it is like so great. I think if you can get one at the lower end of the price scale or, you know, whatever, I mean, you probably don't really have much of a choice. 
<laughs> yeah. I, I, I mean, it's funny that you say that because I just read an article yesterday and I think it was, I think it was maybe the head of Stellantis like came out and said something that was essentially the movement to electric vehicles is eliminating so many people from the market because they're just too expensive. Like it's not possible to build like a 20, 25, like $30,000 EV the mm-hmm. same way that we've had like Camrys and Accords and CRVs and RAV4s for generations. It's, it's kind of that point that you're making like, yeah, it's cool. Yeah, it's fun. But like the future of owning a car is probably going to look really different and be a lot more expensive for a while. Yeah. As, as manufacturers go through this. And I, I mean, it's crazy, right? We figured what this this NX that I'm driving right now is about is mid 60s uh, in the US. Mm-hmm. If it was a direct uh, direct uh, conversion. When you figure that the average price of, of a car, new car in the U.S. is $45,000, yep. I mean, all of a sudden, that sixty-five, dollars $67,000 price tag on the NX doesn't look as bad as it did. So, true. I mean, it is definitely perspective, and it's definitely the shifting of the market towards, like... It, the the cost of every vehicle is climbing. So you real I I mean you do have to take that into account as well. Yeah, agreed. I'm with you. Okay, so I I am through talking about the NX. <laughs> okay, but overall, like one to ten, like it, love it. Would you buy it? Would you not? Like, I love it as a press car. Mm-hmm. One hundred percent. What's... No, it's. I, I mean, I I love the powertrain. I love I love everything about it. I just I I do bulk at the price. I look in that package. It's pretty compelling. Like a car the size of the NX. Most people don't really need more than that. Forty miles of electric range. Fun to drive around. Cool. Love all those things. Is it worth sixty five thousand dollars? Mm, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think that every, I think that every vehicle that comes out is going to also have the same issue. I think so too. In terms of of pricing versus what people feel like they're getting, and it's scary, but you could have this for eight, ten years. Yeah, and and you'd be able to surf all the way to your first EV. And true, that's I true. I do like that that aspect of it, and it is a it is a great way for people that are unsure about jumping straight to EVs to kind of test the water and and see how it works in their life. I mean, well, you're one of the only people who's had time driving. Lexus actual first dedicated EV. And I know it was different because it was a, essentially a concept or prototype vehicle. Yeah. But would you rather have an RZ450E or would you rather have an NX450H plus? Uh, I would go with the RZ. Okay. I like, I would, I would invest in the in home infrastructure and I would get an RZ. Okay. I mean, as long as they were within the same price zone. Yeah. Though I think that I would have been fine this week with the NX if it had had even maybe another 20 to 30 miles of range. I wouldn't have even run into the hybrid. I get that. The other thing is, is like, I'm so, I really don't know a lot about EVs and I don't know a lot about plug-in hybrids. The The only other plug-in hybrid that I've spent any considerable time with was like, it was like 10 years ago and I drove the the Prius plug-in. Oh yeah. And that thing like had like 10 miles of range. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or like 12 miles of range. Yeah. So, I mean, it really wasn't the same thing and... I just found the whole experience to be really exciting. Like I just, I find the technology to be so exciting. I just was like, wow, this would be even better if I didn't even have to worry about the gas mm-hmm. at all. So yeah, I get that. Especially now. Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> just getting worse and worse. 
It is, unfortunately. And I, I think that with speaking about gas, we have to talk about... Uh, no, I was, I, was, I was literally about to say, like, speaking of gas, yeah. uh, probably it, the thirstiest model in the Lexus lineup, but, you know, it's better than it, it was. It's actually quite a bit better than it, than it was. I, like I said, you know, when I was driving it, it was like comparable to the Highlander that we mm-hmm. have. And I mean, it's a much better vehicle than the Highlander, so... I yeah. can't really accuse it of being much of a gas guzzler, any, even though I suppose in this climate it really is. But yeah. you have some thoughts on the on the LX, and I want you to kind of share those with us. Yeah, you and I have been talking a lot about the LX since it came out. Like sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. But I, I guess the way I feel about it up until this point has just sort of been kind of me thinking I can't put my finger on it, but something about it doesn't work for me. Like the thought of this, the original kind of conversation around it started on the Lexus Enthusiast Forum. There was a comparison test between the Escalade, the Navigator, the Grand Wagoneer, and the LX600. And it was, you know, it was essentially the context of it was like, they're all new, they're all big, they're all, you know, all the things, whatever whatever you want to say. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was car and driver. So they it, they compared the four of them and the LX came in dead last by a pretty significant margin. They had one of the point systems that they use. And I think the other three were like between 220 and 208 points. And the LX had like 197 points or something oh, like boy. that. So oh, it wasn't boy. even it wasn't really that close. So there was a lot <laughs> of discussion. Ugly. Yeah, there was a lot of discussion on the forum. And I think a lot of people made some good points. The, the first one that you read and like that we've both made about the LX is like, well, the LX is a little bit different. Like when you look at the review, a lot of it focuses on the fact that all the other three are all bigger. The Escalade's bigger, the Grand mm-hmm. Wagoneer's bigger, the Navigator's bigger. And like we know that the size factor with the LX is sort of contained by the Land Cruiser and the LX is not going to get any bigger anytime soon because of it. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's point one. Like people are always like, oh, it's not big enough. Okay, we talked about that before. Point two was the Escalade and the Grand Wagoneer both have V8s. The Navigator has a more powerful twin-turbo V6, so there's not a whole lot of power here either. And the other point that they made in the Car and Driver article was just that the LX is really pretty short on some kind of important luxury features, Hmm. and the interior is not that nice. And so like reading through it, I wasn't necessarily surprised by the result because it's things that we've talked about before. But there was a couple people on the forums who were sort of like, no, 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 like this is not the right, this is not the right comparison for the LX. Like the LX really, you know, is more of a competitor for like the Range Rover and the G Class. And like I sat back and I thought about it and I was like, not really. Honestly, it's really not. And there's essentially the conclusion I came to was I think the big problem with the LX and where people like you and I struggle with it is it's not really flagship enough. Mm-hmm. It's sort of in this middle zone where, at least in North America, the LX is you know supposed to replace the Land Cruiser as of right now, supposed to be Lexus' biggest SUV. Which you could say whatever you want. Like most people expect that it's going to be bigger, have more room, and then the last one is to kind of be the Lexus flagship. And it's not a very good like people mover because it's not that big. Uh, it's not really that great of a replacement for the Land Cruiser, at least in stock form, because the bumper and things like that impact approach and departure angles. Mm-hmm. And it's really not that great as a flagship either. And that's kind of the point that I came to. And there's a couple reasons for that. The first one is when people think about the Range Rover, or they think about the G-Class. I-, I feel like people have this thing that's like, well, it's a Range Rover. It's a G-Class. Like, you know, it's the best. You know, it's great. Like, that's just understood. 
Do you agree with like, do you agree with that? Oh yeah, absolutely. 100%. Yeah. yeah. So there's that. And then like when I was looking, like I, I went and I kind of did a deep dive on it and you look at the new Range Rover or you look at the G class and you can get AMG models, you can get V8s, yeah. you can get plugins, you can get EVs. There's way higher level of customization. Like they're missing nothing for luxury right. features. 100%. So when you come back and you look at the LX, it's like you're sort of back at this place of it's got a little more than 400 horsepower. There's no V8. There's no plug-in. There's no hybrid. You know, even if you want to compare it to the more quote unquote pedestrian models like the Escalade and the Navigator, the LX just doesn't have that much power. And I think that's one thing that generally contributes to a flagship experience. The other one right. is... The LX is seriously missing things like soft closed doors, panoramic roof, massaging seats. Like it's like Lexus calls the LX a flagship because that's what they call it. But when you really break down the features and you look at what it offers as a top tier model, it's not really in the same class as the Range Rover or the G class. So what I was thinking is, you know, we know that the TX is going to come. It's supposed to be bigger. It's supposed to provide a lot more room and things like that. But it just feels like the LX should have been more flagship. It feels to me like it should have probably just come out with the hybrid powertrain or they just should have stuck the V8 in it. Like if the goal of the LX is not to be, you know, the biggest Lexus in the people mover, then it needs to be as badass and understood as being a pinnacle vehicle the way that the Range Rover and the G-Class are. And I like it just it's it's I think I kind of went in that circle where it was like if the LX had a panoramic roof, massaging seats, a nicer interior, more features, and better powertrains, I think we would be sitting here like, this LX is badass. <laughs> well, and I mean, those requests aren't even out of the realm of possibility. Like, those are all attainable elements that could have been added. And I, it's interesting because when I did my review on the LX, I did compare, I did save that the only real comparison to, to the LX was the G-Class and the Range Rover. But I said it more in capability in terms of capability mm -hmm. than in terms of its you know interior fit and finish the, the the level of luxury the different powertrains. I do share your feelings. Like we call the LX the flagship simply because we always have. And exactly, yeah. It used to be. It, it was. It really was. There was a there was a time when the LX could feasibly compare against other full size body on frame SUVs. Yep. Those days are those days are past. Yeah. One hundred percent. The interior is just not good enough for the price tag. Yeah. And like especially in the F Sport, the one that I was driving, the materials and everything about it, they just weren't good enough for what the vehicle was worth. Mm -hmm. The exterior, I love. I think mm -hmm. the exterior of the LX is great. I think from that perspective, from a design perspective, I think it competes very well. But there's more to a vehicle than just the way that it looks on the outside. I agree with you. I think the outside's great, actually. I, mm -hmm. Like, there's probably nothing I'd really change on the outside. But if you if you look at it from the outside, you open the door and it had the center stack of the Sequoia with a 14 inch screen, and then you started it, and let's say it had like a 450 or 470 horsepower turbo V6 hybrid, or better yet, it had like a 500 horsepower V8. You'd mm -hmm. be like, "This is badass! Like this, <laughs> this is I want this thing." But yeah. you like you you sit here otherwise, and it's like aside from the badge, the Sequoia is kind of nipping on the LX's heels for flagship status because it does offer all the things that you'd expect and want in a top end vehicle, and it's just sort of it's like that it's that simple to me. Well, 
I mean, it's funny that we, we're obviously going to start talking about the Sequoia, but uh, <laughs> I just saw the Sequoia last week mm. for the first time in real life. Yeah. And you know what? I didn't find it really as imposing as I was expecting. Really? It didn't feel big enough. It was in like kind of a tight spot. It was surrounded by other cars. You know, it's not exactly the, the easiest way to get an idea of size. Mm-hmm. It was a capstone, actually. Yeah. And the interior was gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. But it did feel a little bit short in comparison to what I would, when I think of like an Escalade. Escalade feels like a, a tank. Huge. Yeah. And it, it maybe didn't feel that large. And I wonder if maybe one of the flaws of, of this new uh, body-on-frame platform Toyota has developed is maybe a lack of interior space. I really hope... That's not the That's case. That's a good point. That's a good point. But I mean, I do remember when reading reviews of the Sequoia that some people were saying that the third row was unusable and so on and so forth. It was a different reason though. Yeah. Than the LX because the batteries are underneath the where yep, the, the back seats. third row is. So I think that their strategy is let's give people the body on frame products that we know that they want. And then we will use this new Grand Highlander slash TX to give to the people who say that they need space and they can be two different things. Yeah. And I, that's probably a smart plan. Uh, it makes sense to me. But when I was reading through the this review of the LX and then I was reading some of the you know response on the forum, like it hit. that's how it hit me. And what I was thinking is like the LX has less technology than an NX. Mm-hmm. Less luxury features than an LS and a less nice interior than the RS. 100% agree on all those points. Ouch. Like, yeah. <laughs> I have no idea why there's such a discrepancy between the LX and the NX. It feels it feels like a generation apart. Mm-hmm. They really do. Like in terms of the technology, other than the, you know, both of them having the Lexus interface. Yep. I would have never said in a million years that they have the same level of technology. I mean, th- this NX I'm driving tells me when there's a car, what do they call it? Cross traffic. Cross traffic alert, yeah. I mean, that's an amazing technology. How is that not in the LX? Agreed. The door, the latch thing, I mean, all that stuff is just like, it's... Yeah. The LX should have all of that. And it, I think the hard thing is it's just like I pointed out, it's not even just that. Like, it's not that it just doesn't have technology. It also doesn't have the same luxury features as the LS, which came out five years ago. Yeah. It also doesn't have like as nice of an interior as the RX, which we just recently saw. So we know that they were sort of in design at the same time. Kind of like, I think that's where I rest my case. Like the yeah. LX just isn't quite flagship enough. It's just sort of in no man's land. It really does feel like maybe another sort of like good enough solution. For Lexus sake, I think there's still going to be plenty of people who are like, I always bought LXs. I'm going to get another one. Sweet. Yeah. Love that. Buy one. Yeah. But I it, I do think it'll, <laughs> I do think it'll be interesting when the shortage and, you know, the times that we're living in now are sort of over and we're living in a market with you know escalade v and you know more range rover models and mercedes is continuing to diversify and offer more amgs and stuff like that like i would be willing to spend 110 120 thousand dollars on an lx that had you know a nicer interior and a better engine but you know for a hundred to one hundred and fifty thousand dollars, there's a lot of other really good choices in there, and I just can't yeah. say that like the LX as in its current form is one of them. To me, the LX right now, it almost feels like more like what the GX should be, and the LX yeah. should be something better and different. I one hundred percent agree. I I think that the 
LX now occupies that sort of stepchild position Mm -hmm. of the GX that the GX always had, where it's kind of like on its own, not really related to the rest of the the lineup. Right. It just places a lot more importance on on what this TX end eventually ends up being. I was about to say the same thing you know we're gonna we're gonna hit a moment here pretty soon where i guess next year we should have the new gx and the new tx so the gx is always sort of like the bigger side of midsize the tx is supposed to be huge so we're gonna have gx tx and lx and if you think about what we just saw with the rx and the nx and then you think about the fact that the gx is still you know a year away or so yeah it just seems to me like the lx could be outclassed on arrival by both of those if the gx is going to come with the you know twin turbo v6 and some of the same stuff like probably going to come with what i would guess like a 14 inch screen because the rx has it they probably both will so then where does that put the lx (laughs) it's like a legacy product yeah and i mean tx also has 550h trademarked so let's see rx 500h is 367 horsepower and 406 pound feet of torque i look i totally all the way looking into the lexus crystal ball here but i don't think a 400 horsepower tx is out of the cards so we're gonna have a 400 horsepower tx 550h and a 400 horsepower lx 600 that's just gas with nothing else. I mean, I don't know. Like, <laughs> you see where I'm going here? Like, oh, yeah. this this LX would have been cool like six or seven years ago. But as it stands right now and getting ready for two new products coming in allegedly below it, I just can't put it all together. It just makes you wonder how much of a stopgap this LX was. Mm-hmm. And it really also, again, reflects that the LX is not a North American product. Yeah. It is for markets outside of North America. And... That's hard. It's going to be really hard. It feels like there has to be some sort of a refresh plan to pick it up once yeah. those two arrive. Well, everybody, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Lexus Enthusiast podcast. Yes. Thanks for joining us. We will chat with you in a couple of weeks when we have something new to talk about. Perfect. All right. Thanks a lot, Michael. All right. Bye.